Warning, we were going to do a profanity-free episode this week, but then we were like, ah, fuck it. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Stamps.com, Blue Apron, and by Joe's Pizza on Carmine Street, the best slice in Manhattan. Eli thinks it's Papa John's, but that's because he's a savage and he lives in poverty, so he doesn't know any better. Joe's Pizza is the best, and Eli's poor. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is Sharon from the Habeas Humor Podcast. Do you have cats like I do? Then you know, most of what they do all day is lick their own fur, swallow it, and then vomit everything back up on your floors and your furniture. Do you have a dog? If the answer is yes, you probably know that dogs eat poop. What I have just done here is completely disprove intelligent design. Therefore confirming that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. Thursday. It's February 8th. <sighs> what the fuck happened to Eve? <laughs> I got a little sick. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright with the plague. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is the Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, we sacrifice satanic ritual abuse to the gods of bullshit. Virginia considers attacks on porn despite the very visible hands that guide the market. <laughs> and speaking of strokes, we'll talk about Pat Robertson. But first, the diatribe. Okay, now I know a lot of you don't give the slightest flake of a shit about football. Your response is whenever I bring it up on the show, make it way more clear than there's really any socially acceptable reason for you to make that. So I promise that this works its way around to atheist stuff pretty quickly, but it starts at the Super Bowl. And what a fucking Super Bowl it was. Underdog team, backup quarterback, repeated fourth down calls that made you wonder if Doug Peterson's balls were going to have to leave the stadium through the freight exit. And somehow they managed to pull out a win. Could not have been more impressed with the Eagles head coach until he turned the postgame celebration into a fucking tent revival. The game comes to a close, fields covered in green and white confetti, all the pomp and circumstance. They, they walk the Lombardi trophy through this big crowd of people. All of them are kissing it, despite the particularly virulent flu this year. And then they finally reach the little podium where they're going to honor the new champions. Team's owner comes up first. He offers up this rambling bullshit sentence that reminds everybody why he doesn't say words for a living. And then they turn to the coach so he can offer up his thoughts on the win. Now, keep in mind, he is representing a team of 53 players some 150 coaches and executives, thousands of ancillary employees, and hundreds of thousands of fans that have waited 56 fucking years for their team to finally win the big one. So who gets the first thanks from the head coach? Why, his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of course. You know him. He's the 
omnipotent guy that kills babies with cancer for not getting enough Facebook likes. And it wasn't just fucking Peterson. After that, they interviewed Philly's quarterback, give him the MVP award. Jesus also gets top billing in his things. They interviewed some other asshole drones on about God giving him the opportunity. And that's when I fucked off and got back to work. And look, I get that the whole idea here is to promote humility, right? I mean, that that's their thought anyway. You don't have the coach coming out and going like, hey, how about me? Am I right? But if you think about it, even for the briefest of seconds, you realize how about the omnipotent ghost that chose to favor me over everybody else? Am I right? Scores way worse on the fucking humility scale. Plus, starting off by thanking your players, coaches, front office staff, and fans, that's also a great way to express humility. And, and, and they have the added advantage of existing and being right the fuck there. But there's a lot more wrong with it than just that. Right. It's not that they're doing humility wrong in a certain sense. It's that they're doing it at all. Holy shit. Everyone who ever took the time to learn to throw or catch a fucking football dream to win in a Super Bowl. If ever there was a time to pat yourself on the back, this would be it. You know, that doesn't mean he's got to go out there and talk about how awesome a coach he is for a couple of minutes, but maybe a message about the merits of hard work and determination. Right. Maybe a reminder that even if you fail at something 55 years in a row, you can still achieve it. To be honest, I'm having trouble thinking of a message you could send that wouldn't be better than the magical king of the universe decided he liked me the best this time. But if you want to appreciate the really sinister end of this tendency, it's worth asking why humility is so damn important to religions in the first place. Right? I th take Christians, for example. God sure as hell isn't humble. Yeah, every time in the Bible, somebody's like, hey, God, maybe this would be a better idea. God has to go off for 15 minutes about how they can't make it rain or open the doors of Leviathan's face. He refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. He burns people in hell for failing to appreciate the grand scale of his awesomeness. So obviously they're not saying that humility is a prerequisite for goodness. So what message are they sending? Well, Let's see, uh, if the product you're selling is a magical being that can solve all your problems, what possible advantage could you gain by promoting the idea that one is incapable of solving those problems by itself? What, what better way to reinforce the need for their product than drilling it into your head that you never get to take credit for your own accomplishments? I mean, let's be honest about what's going on here, right? Because it ceases to be humility as soon as it's required. And if the guy telling you you've got to be humble is also the one who gets all the credit... Or, or the brand of religion he's selling gets it. Well, in that case, I guess it's even more self-serving than stepping out on the podium and saying, let's hear it for me. Look, the whole reason religion is able to exist in an educated society comes back to this same bullshit concept, right? Life is hard and you almost never get it right. And if on the few occasions when you do get it right, it's been drilled into your head to give all the credit to Jesus, it's pretty easy to conclude that you've never managed to accomplish a fucking thing no matter how accomplished you are. And, and for the sake of the example, imagine the world these people think we live in, right? Their God is a hopeless fuck up. He can't put in eyeballs without getting them upside down and backwards. Couldn't come up with a single design for a universe that didn't include brain eating bacteria. And he's constantly being cast aside in favor of gods that don't even exist in his own book. I mean, think about that for a second. Imagine like an employee shows up for work every day, somehow only rarely convinces a small fraction of their coworkers that they're better at their job than an inanimate fucking statue. That's the fuck up that they worship. And in order for their whole humility thing to make any fucking sense, they have to believe that they're even more imperfect than him. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin.
Joining me for headlines tonight are my co-conspirators, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to co-conspire? Uh, witch hunt. Wait, release the memo. <laughs> Wait, not not that one. Don't release that um, memo. I personally never met Heath. He was a very minor role in my podcast. I, I can't recall meeting him. Can't recall. Yeah. No, right. Obviously, we need a minute to get our story straight, so we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's first sponsor, Stamps.com. Dear No Illusions, how are you? It's me, Ben Carson, still stuck in this elevator. Thanks for sending me those ramen noodles and sour patch kids. They have been a great comfort. I called Donald and asked him to send someone, but he kept asking which one I was, and I don't think he actually sent anyone. I would love to send you these figurines I've waited out of elevator buttons, but I'm afraid my funds are all tied up in Bitcoin. Love, Ben Carson. Dear Ben, glad to hear you're doing well. Still not sure how you got my address or why I seem to be the only person you've communicated with about this. Have you tried stamps.com? Cordially, no illusions. My dearest Noah, it breaks my heart to sign a letter love and see your cordial response. Do you not care for me as I do you? Also, what's stamps.com? Ever yours, Ben Carson. Ben. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. And then the mail carrier picks it up. No more trips to the post office. I use Stamps.com for all the Patreon fulfillment, including the 40 copies of Diatribes Volume 2 that went out to our high-level patrons last week. Cordially, Noah. Noah, my love. I see you ignore my request for reciprocal affection, and while I'm not surprised by the blade, the cut is just as deep. Perhaps, like an ocean to a stone, my love will wash over you and sweep you away bit by bit, until, like all true love, you become a part of me, the very core of me, the sand to my sea. Ever yours, Ben Carson. Ben, you're kind of freaking me out. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com, enter scathing. Good luck with the elevator thing. Cordially, Noah. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, host of the 700 Club and tweed-draped liver spot Pat Patty Mouse Robertson managed to push the snooze button on his eulogy yet again after tragically surviving an embolic stroke on Friday. This news led to the shocking revelation that up until Friday, blood actually was getting to his brain. Apparently, had been the whole time. But despite his advanced age and overall worthlessness as a human, even when he was still young enough to lift stuff and whatnot, medical resources were invested in him, so he's expected to make a full recovery. Yeah, I'm guessing it wasn't too expensive, though. Feels like you could just, like, soak a paper towel in blood and press it up to his liquid face. <laughs> yeah, and it right. Would get to where it needs to go. Guys, eventually. guys, he has a family. I'm just so, kidding. Can okay, all right, yes. Feeling bad for him. No. No, it's nice to know for a second that oxygen did as good a job of getting into his brain as thoughts, though, right? That's yeah, right. No. The thing <laughs> So doctors released a statement over the weekend saying that Pat Robertson was alert and cogent, 
proving that all combinations of words will eventually be spoken. <laughs> you guys picturing infinite Pat Robertson's reciting Hamlet in like heavy aphasian? <laughs> well, that's now what I am. That's what I'm yeah. picturing right now. Whole cast, all Pat Robertson. Of course, the Christian Broadcasting Network was quick to leapfrog over all the doctors, medical technicians, and researchers that actually made minor strokes something other than a contradiction in terms. Instead, they gave all the credit to Jesus who was still basking in that Super Bowl victory. When asked why a loving God would make blood clots that can slip into our brains and kill us in the first place, a representative from the CBN responded, quote, oh, come on, like making embolic strokes is objectively worse than making Pat Robertson, end quote. Okay, but again, he is a liquid. Mm -hmm. Like You yeah. could have Pat Robertson inside your arteries and be fine. <laughs> like, he would just kind of cycle around like honey. It's called AIDS Heath, and it is not to be joked about, okay? <laughs> okay. Is that how that shit works? All right, so Robertson is expected to be released from the hospital on Monday and should make a full recovery, which is the kind of thing you imagine a doctor's putting in error quotes when he's talking about a 87-year-old dude who thinks that gays are trying to kill him with secret AIDS decoder handshakes. Or Pat Robertson handshakes, as I call it. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it remains to be seen which oppressed minority Robertson will blame for his mortality, but Vegas odds makers favor the gays, immigrants, satanic liberals, and trans people in that order if you're making bets. <laughs> and in free species news tonight, in what will no doubt make the internet explode in think pieces, YouTube takedown videos, and a lucrative Patreon career for her, Professor Janae Garrick was fired from her job at a university this week for her views on marriage. Wait, sorry, this just in, she was fired from a conservative institution, so all the people who pretend to care about this stuff when a liberal college does it just disappeared into a neoconservative-shaped cloud of Axe body spray. Now, you're probably thinking, Eli... Are you bringing this up just to point out the hypocrisy of the so-called right-wing free speech advocates? By Jove, he's got it. And the answer is no. Are no, I'm not sure? just doing that. Oh, I see. She was fired from a religious college. So this is what we call in sports a twofer. Uh, no, no. What, what, what sport do you think twofer is part of? Tennis? Nailed it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So here's the story. On paper, like... This is the reason that Moody Bible College gave for firing her. Janae was fired for saying, quote, as an egalitarian, I believe in biblical equality, that God created women as the equals of men, or more aptly, that God created men as the equals of women. I believe that women should not be excluded from any role, function, or office within any sphere, work, church, home, end quote. So that's why they say they fired her. <laughs> For thinking women are people. Yeah. That's their story. This feels like a Catholic church type of story. Like the sugar version is thousands of kids got raped, but we mostly didn't know about it. It's not a great starting point. <laughs> right. Janae, on the other hand, thinks it has a lot more to do with the Title IX discrimination complaint. She helped a student file in 2016 that forced the college to drop its gender restriction on its previously male-only pastoral ministry major. Okay, so that's a that's a different reason. Aren't those the same reason, <laughs> though, really? One is a thought and one is an action, but it's the same thing. Yep. So in her lawsuit filed this week, Garrick says that Moody knew she thought women were people when they hired her and that she <laughs> never did anything to hide it. But again, the university, which just for clarity, has received $24 million of public funding. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> their position is... 
we didn't think she was so uppity, so we fired her. Yeah. That's their <laughs> excuse. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a story about whose house? L. Ron's house. <laughs> so we learned last weekend that Scientology continues to have the enormous budget that's required to buy Super Bowl ads. <sighs> and I'm getting a little verklempt. So talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Scientology is neither science nor ology. Hmm. Discuss. Interesting. I mean, I don't know that we could take away its ology. Also, based on the amount of money they're making, we need to start selling e-meters. Can we sell <laughs> e-meters? Is that a... I'm pretty sure we can. So uh, this is the sixth year in a row that the Church of Scientology ran an ad during the Super Bowl, which means for five years in a row, they're... Sciency sounding nonsense was successfully generating more money than the multi-million dollar price tag for the commercial. But what's even crazier is the angle they took with the ad this year. Instead of their normal, vague bullshit, they came out and directly told everyone to Google what is Scientology, which is insane because their entire belief system is literally a bad sci-fi novel. Well, like actually, literally, exactly that. Yeah, but but by the time they actually get around to admitting that to you, you funded the next Super Bowl ad, so it works yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, they basically based in a multi-million-dollar recruitment campaign on. By the time you figure it out, it's too late because our SEO is better than Wikipedia's. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's it, it's like the way they advertise Star Wars movies now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Here's what people might learn if they actually Google what is Scientology. Now, the first few pages that uh, I got were actually church-owned websites, and they definitely made sure of that before running the ad. But still, the Wikipedia page was result number four, and that's where you could very quickly learn that the Church of Scientology is actually just a cult created by a terrible sci-fi author named L. Ron Hubbard, who lost the rights to his book when his company went bankrupt in 1952. And he just took that story and turned it into a religion instead of that novel. Well, at first he tried to turn it into a, a psychiatric practice, but then he found out that they had rules. And that's when he decided to call it a religion because it was too crazy for 1950s psychiatry. <laughs> I say, Ronnie, my boy, I'm all for electrocuting the occasional hysteric, but you've gone too far. Yeah, too right. Far. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Here's a few quick highlights of the Scientology worldview that they suggested we look for. <laughs> According to Elrond, the history of humankind on Earth began about 75 million years ago when Xenu, the tyrant of the Galactic Confederacy, I have questions. had billions of people flown <laughs> to Earth on spaceships. The spaceships looked just like airplanes that were being made when this was written. What are the odds? But yeah. And Xenu stacked up all those people and their airplanes next to volcanoes and then detonated a bunch of hydrogen bombs inside the volcanoes. Which makes either the hydrogen bomb or the volcano superfluous. <laughs> and the, uh, the bombs were just like the bombs that were being made when this was written. What are the odds? And uh, since the volcanoes were obviously filled with Magical demons that had fallen from grace, um, obviously, yeah. into the volcanoes, which That's were located they they right below the grace, the volcanoes, the <laughs> grace, and then the volcanoes right under that. So they fell into those, um, and then the bombs caused those demons to to cluster together and stick to the bodies of the people, the living people. 
who survived the series of nuclear explosions and volcanic eruptions that happened right next to them. And that's why the pages are sticky. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, naturally, those demons became our everlasting souls, mm -hmm. and this began a cycle of demonic reincarnation that can only be stopped for 99 easy payments of a big chunk of your salary, 99 every year. But sure. don't answer yet. Because you're in the silence room for the next three days. Seriously, you know. <laughs> okay, you guys make fun, but I think my idea for this year's Scientology ad that was just at least we're not Islam was still a good one. I mean, it was no, it was. They didn't. It choose was. That. I'm surprised that they didn't. It's definitely better than asking people to Google Scientology. <laughs> That's a good ad for a lot of stuff. <laughs> at least we're not Islam. Heinz ketchup. Yeah. Okay. So, Lady Doritos. <laughs> my Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how. Uh, Rick Santorum can't really use the internet anymore for campaigning mm, because Santorum yeah. is now a word that means the anal discharge after butt sex, thanks to Dan Savage. Well, I'm thinking we uh, we need something similar for Scientology and maybe something for the name of their leader, which is David Miscavige. Uh, although he's already almost there with for all the mix of cum, lube, blood, and feces. Um, but any ideas are welcome. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's no, already so means. close to miscarriage too. You want to? Is it? Yeah, like right. It's right. a miscarriage that's induced by a punch. <laughs> Out of a cavernous vagina. I think that's called I... abortion. I'm just... Oh, Jesus Christ. Thanks. She disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> and yet the courts called it murder. What the Thank fuck? Thank you. And in Namaste the Fuck Back news tonight, Christian blogger and large hamster with a safety razor Matt Walsh has renewed his relentless attacks against the evils of yoga this week by warning Christians <laughs> that it might be even more dangerous than playing with a Ouija board. No! <laughs> well, no, he's right. He's right, because you could pull a muscle doing yoga. Yeah, plus that plow position shit, that's terrible for your neck. But Walsh did us the favor of leapfrogging over all of those legitimate concerns and going straight for the dangers of unintended satanic trances. Oh, I mean, you put me in a room surrounded by sweaty women in yoga pants, and I do think some evil fucking thoughts. He's that's got true. a point. No, you, that is true. <laughs> but honestly, a room full of, like, dry, not sweaty women in baggy sweatpants does the same thing. That's true. Pretty much just, you know, having a penis, that's a demonic trance. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentional or intentional. I don't understand why that matters either. Alright, so this comes to us via a blog post on the Daily Wire, wherein Walsh starts off by wishing people on Twitter would be nicer to him. After all, all he did was innocently tweet out some suggestions for workout programs that, quote, do not involve participating in Hindu worship, end quote. And this somehow resulted <laughs> in the entire internet knowing he was an idiot, thinking he was an idiot. So, in an effort to get the internet to make fun of him less, he posted a blog that contains these actual words in this actual order. Quote, you may perform the moves without consciously seeking the demonic trance they were designed to help you attain, but it would seem you are quite literally playing with fire. Uh, no. Uh, no, not literal. <laughs> no, nope, that's not what that word means. <laughs> you are quite figuratively playing with fire. Yep, and not, even, not even that, really. But yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I would do more yoga if there was a literal ball of fire involved. Right. Like it needs it needs a little more sport to it. I need I need someone to lose the yoga that day. Like stuff, <laughs> stuff isn't fun without losers. There needs to be a loser of the yoga. Hey. Uh, if you don't think there are losers in yoga, you have never seen me do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have not. Really? You're right, in child's yeah, pose even, again. We, we're we doing child's pose, Eli. How did you go we, to child's pose from child's pose? We said all shitting meant you lost. Even solitaire sometimes has a loser. So, all right. Now, later in the piece, Walsh strikes what he seems to think is a reasonable tone and does concede that Yogo won't necessarily land you in hell. Heck, he even admits that he doesn't, quote, think you'll automatically be possessed if you do yoga, end quote, which is nice. Centrist. Centrist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he likens uh, yoga to the latent spiritual dangers one might find in a Ouija board or a horoscope. So, you know, we'll update you on Twitter's sincere apology and newfound appreciation for Walsh next week. However, that pretty obviously opens up the field for heathenized brand new business. God damn it, guys. Atheist yoga. Hit it, Morgan. Hello. I'm Eli Bosner. And I'm Ethan Wright. Or at least we used to be. Now that I'm a yoga teacher, you can call me Starfire Starfire. And I'm Whistling Whistle. And we're here to tell you about Atheist Yoga. That's right. With Atheist Yoga... You get all the health benefits of stretching with none of the demonic trances. Just listen to this section from our latest DVD. And breathe into your lungs because that's literally the only thing you can breathe into. We'll teach you things like stretching. Stretching. And stretching. And Pilates ab work that we pretend is yoga. Atheist yoga. There is no God. And in ironic shithole news tonight, the people of Costa Rica have cast their votes in the first round of elections for president this week and sent a message of solidarity, a message of unity, a message that they fucking hate gay people. Right. Yeah. No, because at a certain level of national shitholiness, there are no immigrants to demonize. (laughs) Just like, all right, they took our jobs. Wait, what? No, we don't have. Sorry. Costa Rica. Stupid. Stupid. They took our... uh, our dicks? Do gay, <laughs> do gay people take dicks? Dirt well, dicks. Okay, they take dicks. People, they're cool. But they don't like the dick, 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 dick. Exactly. Yes. In a political move that has people sadly crossing Costa Rica off their runaway to blank boards this week, Fabricio Alvarado, a 43-year-old lawmaker with the National Restoration Party, who is also a strongly anti-gay marriage pastor, took 25% of the ballots in the first round of the election, sending him to the runoff against Carlos Alvarado. No relation. They just only have four last names down there. A 38-year-old former labor minister from the ruling Citizens Action Party who scored 22% of the vote. The other other three last names, by the way, if you're curious, are Diaz, Rodriguez, and uh, Schmidt. Schmidt. Interesting. (laughs) Well, I mean, this this whole thing, it sucks for gay people in Costa Rica, obviously. But I'm pretty happy with the market solution here if it means that a whole bunch of homophobic Americans go to Costa Rica with their, like, shitty, sticky kids that everybody should hate and a bunch of successful gay people with expendable income move to the U.S. from Costa Rica. That would be fantastic. Well, that is a positive part of it. See, the scary thing for me about this story is that everything I'm reading about this election sounds like Trump 2.0. Like, everyone thought he was a joke candidate until he started going super hardcore right wing and rallied support from rural and poor areas. His liberal opposition was divided by third parties. And most importantly, lots and lots of people think he has no fucking chance of winning. I I think we should back up for a second. 
and consider how far we've fallen when we're worried that the democracy of Costa Rica, <laughs> right, the Mexico of Nicaragua won't be at least a little better than ours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I think election integrity, I think Central America said no one ever. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So Costa Rica, if you're listening, and I know you are, don't blow this. Your election <laughs> is on April 1st. Please make sure the joke's not on you. <laughs> and in potpourri smells like teen spirit news we have a follow-up on a story from two weeks ago about the pope's latest trip to south america during which he hung out with bishop juan barros of chile and you might remember how this meeting drew lots of criticism considering all the allegations about barros covering up for uh pedophile priests obviously and considering how Francis didn't stab the shit out of Barros with his extremely sharp hat, which is <laughs> the only right you know, reasonable thing to do at that point. <laughs> well, you know how these stories about kid raping, they often end up being just a big misunderstanding? Uh-huh. Jean Benet. Uh, oh, nope. No. Well, that never happens. And no. uh, still never. We learned this week that Barros definitely witnessed sexual abuse and covered it up. And we learned that Pope Francis absolutely knew about it and lied about it. Right. Right. He's just there. Oh, did I say zero tolerance? No, I meant, uh, what's the next one up after zero? The next tolerance. <laughs> hey, hey, one step. The Pope is inconvenient pronoun level tolerant of pedophilia, my friend. Okay. <laughs> zero is a giant pedophile apologist. <laughs> so, uh, during the trip from last month, Francis was asked about the allegations against Barros and he responded, quote, there is not one shred of proof against him. End quote. Well, it turns out the Pope's a very literal man because there is not one shred of proof. There's a fucking bunch of shreds. <laughs> and that includes an eight page letter sent directly from a victim to the Vatican describing the sex crimes that Barros personally witnessed. Wow. Other shreds include statements from multiple members of the Pope's Commission for the Protection of Minors about how they hand delivered that letter to Cardinal Sean O'Malley, who hand-delivered it to the Pope in 2015. There's even a literal photograph of the hand-delivery process. Why have they not learned their lesson yet about keeping the rape cover-up so well-documented? <laughs> right? I mean, it's great for us, but you'd think at a certain point they'd be like, you guys want to just talk about this kind of shit on Snapchat from now on? <laughs> yeah, that means at some point someone was like, I'm sorry, before I give you this letter full of evidence of child rape, um... Cheese. <laughs> right? What the fuck? Okay, weird face, weird face. Sorry, one more, one more. Say cover up. Okay. Dude, let's do a wacky one. Let's do wacky, a right, everybody, look at it. Like Charlie's Angels? Charlie's Angels. Oh, yeah. Cool. Literal angels. <laughs> We've been told we're literal angels. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> All right. So just a couple quick notes before we wrap up the story. First of all, Stop being Catholic. Right. Well, just everybody do that. Or, you know, at least stop giving money. But yeah, really check. just stop being Catholic. <laughs> These are the guys who get that money. We're talking about the guys who yeah. get your money if you donate to the Catholic Church. But more generally, really think about cutting off money for, you know, just about any organization that needs to have something called the Commission for the Protection of Minors. <laughs> That's not a good sign, especially if there's an omnipotent deity at the top. It's a good chance something might be amiss. Yeah. They have to have that. Right. 
Okay, then, well, we encourage you to continue to donate to us on Patreon and think up a new name for them belts we use to tie down Eli when the moon is full. I guess we could hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. If it's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. Just when you thought you'd never find the cheese dust flavored corn chip for you. Am I right, ladies? Equal pay, schmequal schmay. You know, you've really made it as a demographic when you have your own Dorito. Now, look, I know that normally I try to talk about shit that has a religious angle to it on this segment. That is what the show is about, after all. But when they throw shit at me like Lady Doritos, what the hell do they expect? So, yeah, PepsiCo's chief executive, Indra Nui, showed up on Freakonomics the other day to lay out the groundwork for the company's then-upcoming line of feminine snack chips. What makes a snack chip feminine, you ask? A pink handle? pH balance? More absorbent? Well, no, it's actually a quieter chip. Because women shouldn't crunch unless they're crunched to. And look, despite of a lot of the criticism I've seen of this online, my issue isn't so much that it's based on gender stereotypes, it's that it promotes gender stereotypes. Because despite what a lot of people seem to think, I'm sure this wasn't the byproduct of a bunch of dudes in a room scratching their balls and pausing between fantasy baseball talk to say, hey, I bet dames would like shut the fuck up Doritos. What probably happened is that they did a shit ton of marketing research and spent a ton of money to find out that a lot of women actually did choose not to eat some snacks in public because they're too loud. Now, that fact is probably based in the sexism all by itself, what with society always reinforcing the notion that a proper lady doesn't make too much noise or take up too much space. So in a roundabout way, sure, this is a result based on sexism. But up to this point, it's also a company recognizing that figuring out what women want is also part of their job. Up until now, this is actually a story of the good guys doing a good thing, even if it is a trivial one. But that all falls apart as soon as Indra Nui starts saying they're for women. That's some cart before the horse bullshit. What they're releasing is a chip for people who prefer to be less noisy when they eat. And if that happens to appeal to women more than men, great. But selling it as a lady version is about as stupid and own goal as you can make in this game. So yeah, the internet had a lot of fun with this one over the last few days. But don't worry, I'm sure once it gets over this blatant and undeniable reminder that our culture is still inherently sexist, it'll get back to bitching about how feminism is bullshit. And until it does, I'll take my leave of you and hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in It Will Be a Coulter Day in Hell news tonight. Conservative pundit <laughs> and scarecrow impersonator Ann Coulter knows exactly why the Philadelphia Eagles won their first Super Bowl in franchise history last Sunday night. Gentlemen, any guesses? Oh, oh, I know this one. Uh, it's because Bilicek and Brady want all the Super Bowl records and the only ones they don't have at this point belong to Marv Levy and Jim Kelly. <laughs> Uh, I was going to guess it's because God knew I needed a good laugh and watching idiots from Philadelphia try to climb up streetlight poles that were pre-lubed <laughs> by the police was the perfect thing. And that is a, a true story. They Criscoed and gear oiled yeah, and, uh -huh. and Pornhub offered to send them like 135 gallons of lube. <laughs> <laughs> 
They, they knew the city so what's, dumb what's they were going to riot. What's funny is that I knew about that before the Super Bowl, and the people in Philadelphia climbing the fucking poles didn't. <laughs> it was the greatest. They were just flying all over the place left and right. I was just <laughs> laughing my ass off walking through Philadelphia. It was fantastic. Fantastic. No, uh, it's none of those, sadly. It's because their quarterback is Christian. Oh, oh, are they the team with the Christian quarterback? <laughs> yes, that's right. See, rejected anorexia-themed Barbie took a break this week from retweeting James Woods and people with the word Nazi in their profile. Wait, James Woods doesn't have Nazi in his profile? Not <laughs> yet, he does not. Okay, all right. So she took a break from that to congratulate the Eagles, saying, quote, Congratulations, Eagles! Ten exclamation points. Oh, QB geez. Nick Foles, Christian. End quote. <laughs> And all I can say is that the Patriots quarterback, Mushy Goldman, did his very best. I, I think they all tried their best. And this is a really mean way to rub it in. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. I guess Carson Wentz is ACL's Jewish, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. We all know that Tim Tebow is the most Christian athlete ever. Obviously. And he did so well as a quarterback that he's on the Mets now. So... And Coulter, if you're listening, I'm happy to take your bet on the Mets winning the World Series. Yeah, there Whatever you go. Whatever odds you need to trust in God, <laughs> I'll give them to you. Just call me. I'll take that bet. Anyway, so as of this recording, Miss Coulter accidentally rubbed her arms together and burst into flame. So we'll probably have to wait until the next <laughs> full moon when she regenerates to see what she tweets next. <laughs> if it's a red moon, though. If yeah, it's a red exactly. moon. <laughs> and in Jamaica stand news tonight, Jamaica decreased its overall shit holiness this week by at least never having Steven Anderson in it. Anderson, who you'll remember from his giddy celebration of the Pulse nightclub massacre, blaming human trafficking on the Jews, calling for gay genocide to get rid of all the AIDS, and saying cooking can be fun in the twim intro for the last 180 episodes or so, recently canceled a planned trip to Jamaica when the country told him they'd rather shoot the fucking plane down on its approach than let him <laughs> step foot on their soil. This makes the total list of countries that have gone to the trouble of banning him by name five long. <laughs> Jamaica now joins Canada, the UK, Botswana, and, and, two racist for, South Africa. All right, well, he's fucking up our song. It's hats off to Botswana, Canada, the UK, South Africa, Jamaica, probably yet, more to come, not on the list yet. All right, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's it. it's going to have to be hats on pretty soon. Maybe we just do hats on. To, <laughs> hats to, on to, in to, the United States. States. Yeah, right, right. 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 Where you can do anymore. this. <laughs> It's bad here. <laughs> maybe maybe just tell the liberals the wall is to keep Steven Anderson in and they'll be fine with it. Um, exactly. Now, we should emphasize here that too homophobic for Jamaica is every bit as impressive as the two racist for South Africa was. Jamaica is a legitimate contender for the most homophobic country in the world. It consistently scores an F on LGBT rights. Gay sex is punishable by life in prison if, if you're a guy it's not illegal if you're a woman anyway and, and but despite that anderson whose name shows up on 58 different files when i search our past episodes has been formally banned by the nation's chief immigration officer amazing next week he's going to get a letter from a farm co-op in argentina just like dear steve you're no longer welcome in the fourth reich you're <laughs> gross love yeah. nazis he got a steve we need you to stop meaning it Love countries that only pretend to mean it slightly less than you, letter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, Anderson was shocked by the decision, responding in part, quote, 
I've seen a lot of stuff online that said Jamaica is the most homophobic country in the world. So it's pretty weird that I would be banned from Jamaica because of my views on homosexuality, end quote. He then went on to blame the Illuminati (laughs) and the U.S. government because of how anti-homophobia the Trump administration is and how excited Jamaica is to follow orders from the Trump administration. Sounds, Sounds all correct. Yeah. Now, after canceling the trip or having it canceled for him, Anderson announced that he'd be taking his ball and going to some other Caribbean country, uh, but he didn't specify which one, so nobody would know to ban him from it yet. (laughs) Just Steve walking up to people on the beach at Sandals Resort, Orlando. (laughs) You know, gay sex by definition is violent. (laughs) I don't know if you gotta tear the lining. (laughs) And finally tonight, lawmakers in Virginia proposed a new bill last week that would block access to all internet pornography unless residents pay a $20 fee to get it back. What? Per device. <laughs> what? So if you like to run a nice collage of material using your laptop and your tablet and your desktop and your phone and your old phone and your, <laughs> and your older phone, like some people enjoy doing, you'd have to pay like $120 to get all that porn back. Or you could just leave Virginia. For any number of great reasons, including this one, if this bill goes through. You know, I want to take a second here to brag to all the other decades, right, that that like that being asked to pay $20 once for access to unlimited porn instantly in all locations would be an unbearable (laughs) burden to us. Suck it the other decades. Right. And I want to take suck. a second to point out just how low they bowled themselves. They could have right. revitalized <laughs> the second mortgage industry in the state. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Virginia House Bill 1592, also known as the Human Trafficking Prevention Act, is aimed at stopping the practice of sex slavery by attacking the root of the problem. Uh, sorry, the exact opposite of the root of the problem <laughs> by attacking a tiny piece at the end of the stem of the problem. This is, this is like trying to end shitting with attacks on apples. <laughs> you know, actually, it's dumber than that. It's like it's like trying to get equal pay for women with attacks on glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh, maybe we can offer up a compromise where we just build a glass ceiling over Mexico. Ooh, and then uh, there video you go. a bunch of men shitting on that ceiling, film it, and charge people in Virginia to watch the video. It's perfect. It pays, <laughs> that for, pays for the... Yeah, right, right. Excellent, excellent. All right, we solved the shutdown. No need for a shutdown, guys. We got it. <laughs> yeah, so the original idea for the bill comes from a Christian bigot that we've covered before named Chris Sevier. I don't know if you remember him. Oh, yeah. He's the guy who filed a lawsuit that would allow him to marry his computer because... That's just like gay marriage. He was trying to make a point about that. And uh, that was actually one of his more reasonable lawsuits. Among many others, he's sued Apple Computers, Planned Parenthood, Barack Obama, and the entire U.S. government as a whole, (laughs) all for complete nonsense. And the list is way bigger than that. Also, he claims that he rescued sex slaves in Southeast Asia while working with an organization called Orphan Secure. But... According to the president of Orphan Secure, uh, absolutely not. He like, watched a David A.R. White movie and got confused or whatever. Anyway, one other fun detail. According to a hashtag that's been going around, Sevier's dick is shaped like a CD, and he once sexually assaulted a computer. Eli, 
Do I have that right? I'm pretty sure you started that hashtag. You do. You do, Heath. Other sources have it that Chris is a little chicken bitch who wouldn't dare sue us because I would come to court dressed like a sexy computer. That's just what other people are saying. Uh, not me, obviously, but that's what my sources tell me. Bring it, Chris. Honey pot him with a CD-ROM slot. Fantastic. Yeah, so... Uh, that's what government officials in Virginia are spending their time on. The uh, income tax isn't enough. They also want an outcome tax. But <laughs> fortunately well, for people, thank you. Fortunately for people who enjoy orgasms and happiness, Virginia is full of First Amendment enthusiasts. So if the bill looks like it might actually pass, I'm sure we'll have plenty of dudes with tiki torches chanting, "Whose information superhighway? Our information superhighway!" and uh, marching around. Either way. They're going to continue coming all over Confederate statues that much. That much we know for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, then, now that we've managed a happy ending, I suppose we can close up the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Eli predicted the stock market crash, but somehow he's still poor. And when we come back, we'll talk about dismembering children for fun and profit. Has this ever happened to you? I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, Bosnick, but your debit card has been declined because you're poor and shaped like a squash. Oh, no. How will I pay for my vegan dirt pile? Uh, I'm afraid you're going to have to wash some dishes. But I'm allergic to water. Then why not try Blue Apron? Wait, what's Blue Apron? Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. They deliver fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and step-by-step -step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. 45 minutes? That's mm -hmm. how long it takes me to poop while everyone's waiting to go somewhere or do something. It sure is. I use Blue Apron because I like to eat delicious, fresh-cooked meals, and I have the human decency not to go out to eat when I can't afford it. Does Blue Apron accept incorrectly spelled IOUs? No, they do not. But right now, Blue Apron is treating our listeners to $30 off the first order if you visit blueapron.com slash scathing. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash scathing. Oh, good. I'm going to buy a brand new iPhone just to sign up. Hope my card doesn't get declined. Hey, guys, oh, what just, are you doing in here? Nothing. nothing. We're not doing anything. Nothing at all. Nope. Oh, I thought I heard you recording. No. Oh, no. No recording. Not recording. Here. Okay. Cool. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. I knew it. <laughs> Here at Puzzle in a Thunderstorm, we pride ourselves on having equal opportunity outrage. And while we can all agree that religion is the largest and most menacing purveyor of bullshit, it hardly has a monopoly. Which is why we take a few minutes now and again to glance over the landscape of dubious claims and ask ourselves, How bullshit is it? So tell us, Heath, what fragment of farcical fecality will we be talking about today? Today, we'll be talking about satanic ritual abuse. Hmm. Jean Benet. Nope. 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 Right. None of that. So tell nope. us, Heath, what is satanic ritual abuse? Well, Noah, back in the 80s, before we had Obama, there were no federally protected pizza parlor basements where we could rape and mutilate children like our Dark Lord demands and sacrifice. So we kind of had to improvise. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, Satanists would pick a spot that wasn't quite secure enough, and news of our infanticidal rituals would leak to the public. Luckily for us, though, 
The cover-up was so thorough that no credible evidence of any of it was ever found by anyone anywhere, ever. Okay, except not, right? Well, it was either that or a huge percentage of the population lost their fucking minds for a couple decades and went on modern-day witch hunts that used stories of monsters under the bed to convict innocent people of imaginary crimes and rob them of decades' worth of their freedom. Mm. Okay, it's not if that happened that I'm worried about. It's which time that happened, I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so we've long since learned that when it comes down to Americans being either evil or stupid, the latter is usually the right answer. So, so how did this all get started? Well, moral panics that target helpless people stretch back as far as recorded history, but this one has its origins in a book called Michelle Remembers, written by a woman named Michelle Smith and her husband, Lawrence Pazder. It was published in 1980 and discredited soon after, and it relied on the fictitious concept of recovered memories as evidence that Michelle had been the victim of horrific abuse at the hands of satanic cults. And that seems to be the first place that a claim like this shows up. Right. And to be clear, by discredited soon after, we mean this book made a claim that a five-year-old outwitted a multi-generational satanic cult that nobody ever heard of or noticed, even when they kept her out of school for 81 days and cut pieces off of her body, which they absolutely did not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Step one seems to be make up a problem. Uh, check. And step two. Uh, profit. I there figured. were no intermediaries. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, nothing sells better in America than fear, especially if the opposite of what you're afraid of is Christian. So the book was wildly popular and Pazder developed quite the media profile. Soon he was giving lectures about satanic ritual abuse to law enforcement organizations. Jesus. And his book was being used by prosecutors when they were preparing cases against alleged Satanists. By September of 1990, Pazder had acted as a consultant on more than a thousand SRA cases, which means that the number of people accused of a crime nobody ever actually committed was at least a thousand. Jesus. Salem witch steps out of a time machine into the 1980s. She's just like, still fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Back in. <laughs> and keep in mind that many of the people who were accused of SRA actually were abusing their kids. So they knew they were guilty of something. Then along comes a prosecutor offering a better deal if they just admit that they're part of a satanic cult right then and there. And the end result is that a lot of people are actually pleading guilty to a crime that absolutely does not exist. Gotcha. I mean, but at least they are going after child abusers, right? Yeah. And if they only convicted child abusers, then maybe the worst thing about this would be the resources they had to waste chasing down imaginary conspirators and international networks. But they also occasionally go after innocent people. I feel a for example coming on. John well, Benet. A, a different yeah. for example, actually. Yeah, okay. for a different example. Look at the McMartin preschool trial. As you can imagine, the groups most vulnerable to false accusations tended to be preschools and daycare centers. Obviously, if you want to recruit kids for your mutilation cabal, that would be the next best cover after ping pong themed pizza parlor. Mm -hmm. So Obviously. a lot of the accusations centered around preschools and this culminated in a media frenzy of a trial against a California preschool the and preschool. All of this because of the shit that this pastor dude was able to stir up with his book. Uh, not really. He started a lot of it and he was still fanning the flames here, but this was in 1983. And by then the story had picked up a few more villains. For example, key McFarlane, she was a social worker for the Children's Institute International, and she's also the person who invented the 
show me on the doll where he touched you doll. That was her. Huh. Fun fact, they don't let you keep those. <laughs> they don't no matter where they touch those. They don't let <laughs> you keep those. Fair. Now, I hesitate to call her a villain because it seems like she actually did think she was rescuing children from mutilation and sex abuse. But at the same time, her methods were so bad that, you know what, she's definitely a villain. Maybe a stupid villain, to be fair, was, but she's a villain. All right, so what kind of methods was she using? Uh, cum dowsing. <laughs> That's dowsing. That's dowsing. <laughs> and no. With the Z. Uh, turns out she used leading and coercive questions during lengthy interviews with four- and five-year-old kids. And apparently she rewarded discussions of abuse and punished denials of uh. abuse. It also should have been a red flag that every single kid ever that she interviewed turned out to have been a victim of satanic ritual abuse. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, but according to that rule, Columbo's a bad cop. So what are you saying? You saying Columbo's a bad cop? No. <laughs> All right, so, so what happens to this daycare? Well, they got dragged through court for a couple of years and had their public reputations destroyed, thanks especially to some brutal media coverage against the defendants, which were Peggy McMartin and Ray Buckley. But ultimately, the state dropped all the charges that related to conspiracy or Satanism anyway, and just charged them with child abuse, which they were acquitted of. Uh, okay, so did the acquittal slow things down at all? Not in the slightest. McFarlane went on the following year to take her concerns directly to Congress. According to Wikipedia, she warned a congressional committee about, quote, scatological behavior and animals being slaughtered in bizarre rituals that children were forced to watch, end quote. Now, I'm not sure where the scatological behavior factors into this, but it screams vamping for a picture that wasn't supposed to wind up in your PowerPoint. <laughs> she would later export this hysteria to Australia and also the UK. Okay, weird. Random infatuation with scat and she stole our live show schedule? Coincidence? <laughs> you decide. <laughs> no, those are large countries. Heat decide. Yeah, well... There's no problem so big that Geraldo Rivera can't make it bigger. That's yeah, important even, to remember. Even wars, like even the Iraq war. He nope, that. yeah, correct. So <laughs> in 1987, Geraldo Rivera produced an hour-long television special about satanic cults where he claimed, quote, there are over one million Satanists in the United States and they are linked in a highly organized secretive network, end quote. <laughs> yeah, you know what they say, two can keep a secret if... There are 999,998 people involved. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so up till now, we've been referring to these allegations by pretty general terms, but but what kind of shit were the intellectual elites like Geraldo suggesting was actually happening? Basically, every truly fucked up thing you can think of. Wow. Okay, so you get a strong horse. It needs to be nope. strong. <laughs> No, thank you. Not everything you can think of, Eli. Just the stuff <laughs> okay. I can think of. Show me on the horse where... No. <laughs> so uh, accusations included every manner of torture, including forced necrophilia, forced ingestion of feces and blood, cannibalism, infanticide, and the eating of fetuses. And the fact that evangelicals listed the last one separate from cannibalism kind of tips their hands on the whole abortion question. Huh, yeah. But to be fair, it also shows off some knowledge of food at the same time. So... <laughs> All right, so this sounds fucking crazy. Did people actually believe this outrageous shit? They were Americans, so of fucking course yeah, they yeah, did. Right. But in a lot of ways, it was the level of outrageousness that made the stuff stick. Later studies would show that the stories of SRA 
basically propagated through law enforcement agencies and psychiatric conferences as urban legends. So naturally, the more grotesque the accusation, the more likely it is to permeate those groups and become fuel for the panic. Mm -hmm. Guys at a meeting are just like, hey, chief, why are you holding a flashlight under your chin for this briefing? Shut up, man. Shut up. You're wrecking it. Shut up the mood. All right. So is this the kind of thing that just shrinks down to where you don't notice it? Or is there like a point where it actually ends? Well, there are still accusations of satanic ritual abuse today, but it's no longer taken seriously by like therapists or law enforcement or social workers. Most people will peg the end of the panic somewhere between 1992 and 1995. And for that, you can give a ton of credit to HBO, actually. They released a documentary in 1995 about the McMartin trial that highlighted the kind of overzealous prosecution and flimsy evidence that was being offered up. And by then, psychologists were starting to realize that the whole concept of recovered memories was complete nonsense. So, right. Plus, HBO also gave us hookers at the point series around then. So we were all titillated out. We're like, yeah, mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So everybody lives happily ever after. Well, some of the people that were convicted during the panic are just now getting out of jail. So maybe eventually ever after. Um, but this panic definitely caused a whole bunch of terrible problems that didn't go away just because people eventually wisened up. For example, during this whole period, there actually was an international religious-based child rape cabal operating throughout the country with thousands of conspirators. Right. And despite the unprecedented amounts of money being spent by the government, nobody got any closer to that group. In fact, that group is still around today and is still getting tax breaks. All right. Yeah. Wow. UNICEF. Uh, irony sucks. So I guess the only question left to ask is, how bullshit is it? Uh, it's Cardinal Pell being too colicky to attend to hearing about kids getting raped levels of bullshit all right there you go <laughs> well thank you heath and thanks to all the fellow illuminati who made sure that history remembers this as just some kind of unfounded moral panic and with that we can step out of this pile for the time being until our duty duties demand our return to how bullshit is it Before we sign off for the night, I wanted to let everybody in the Pennsylvania area know that they can come out and see me on Sunday, March 4th. I'm going to be giving a talk to the Lehigh Valley Humanist called How to Survive a Theocracy in Eight Easy Steps. And I'd love a chance to meet you while I'm there. I'm going to have more details by this time next week. So stay tuned and keep an eye on our Facebook page for updates. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. But we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. And an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show would only count for half credit if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for battling through the Black Plague to be with us tonight. I need to thank Eli for battling through his hypochondriac anxiety to be with us every week. And I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for battling through the patriarchy to be with us at all. And, of course, also want to thank friend of the show, Sharon from Habeas Humor Podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. If you're not listening to her show yet, you can correct that oversight with a handy-dandy link on the show notes for this episode. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most amazing anthropoids, Albin, Dr. H, JB, Benjamin, Dumb All Over, Melissa, Marshall, Mark. I forget about it. Trixie, skip a drawing, skip the flute ring, Brandon, Koa, and John. Albin, Dr. H, JB, Benjamin, and Dumb All Over, who are so sexually magnetic their genitals have auroras. Melissa, Marshall, Mark, A, forget about it, and Trixie, whose number marching saints sing about hopefully being in. And skip a drawing, skip the flute ring, Brandon, Koa, and John, who are so hot that if he'd had them, Zeno wouldn't have needed those volcanoes. 
together these 15 people, initials, stupidity, locations, memory deficit requests, and nonsense phrases aided our efforts to eradicate ignorance this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money it takes to give us money, but if you do, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but your retirement savings just became more volatile than Bitcoin, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, sharing the show on social media, or naming your next kid patreon.com slash scathingatheist. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Has this Worst ever happened scenario. to you? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else you want to get out before we start? <laughs> well, professionalism. Great. Okay. You might have cancer. I very might have cancer. <laughs> you look like you have I cancer. I feel like I'm in I line feel for the cancer. Like I have if anyone cancer. is in line no, for irony cancer Irony will here. have it. I have cancer. The guy who works out seven days a week and eats vegan, he's the one who gets the cancer. No, you're right. You're right. If stress is the silent killer, I've been dead for 30 years. (laughs) I'm that urban legend. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.